I drew a Montana Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep tag the fourth time I ever applied for it with three points. I drew a mountain goat tag in Montana the very first time I ever applied for it. I have clients that have drawn tags like that. You know, last year I drew the Ibex tag in New Mexico down in the Floridas. But, you know, people say, well, how do you draw all these tags? It's rigged. It's not rigged. It's just, you know, Bill Jordan, Michael Waddell, all the guys that we apply, Shockey, they're loyal to the process. They do it exactly as it needs to be done, and they've been doing it a long time. Welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast, where all things are hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that like to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our pro staff team as we interview experts in the industry to share insight knowledge to help make outdoorsmen more successful. I'm Eric Pollock from Worldwide Trophy Adventures, and you're listening to the RNA Outdoors Podcast. All right, we are live from the 2017 Sheep Show. You are tuned into the RNA Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Paw, and we are broadcasting to you from a cold and snowy Reno, Nevada. Actually, driving over yesterday um, over Donner Pass, we had close to 10 feet of snow over the summit. So I was actually fortunate to, to get over here yesterday. Uh, it took it took an extra hour and a half to get over the summit, but I'm glad to be here and uh, very fortunate uh, this morning we're going to be sitting down uh, with one of the members of Worldwide Trophy Adventures, WTA. They are based uh, in Sydney, Nebraska, and uh, Eric Pollock is the uh, actual manager of the TAG application process. So a lot of the questions uh, that we're going to talk about today uh, with Eric and WTA are really specific to um, tag application services and really the, the services that, that WTA provides. So um, I'd like to welcome Eric Pollock to the show. Thanks for being here, Eric. You bet, Lucas. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So one of the things we do uh, with the RNA Outdoors podcast uh, is we do what's called a quick draw Q&A. So it's, what it really does is it allows um, you know, me to kind of break the ice with the guests. Uh, we also talk a little bit about um, you know, some different types of hunts that are out there, really trophy quality type hunts. And I ask a simple question and, and Eric will provide a simple answer and then we can maybe elaborate a little bit afterwards. Uh, so uh, the first question I'm gonna ask for a Utah deer hunt, would you rather have a Henry Mountains tag or the Ponsagon tag? Henry Mountains tag. Henry Mountains. If you were hunting deer in Arizona, would you pick 13A or 13 13- be on the strip 13b 13b elk in arizona unit nine or 23 north unit nine elk in utah would you pick the beaver unit or the san juans the san juans sheep in montana 680 or 482 in the breaks that's a tough one but i would go with 680 okay elk in colorado what in your opinion is the best unit in colorado at this point in time 201 seems to be getting a lot of notoriety these days okay in Alaska, if you had a dull sheep tag, would it be in the Chugach or the Brooks Range? The Toke. Uh, actually, the uh, the Chugach. Okay. Um, if you had to pick between elk or deer, what would you choose? You know, in my younger days, elk, probably, probably mule deer now. Okay. How about sheep or mountain goat? 
definitely sheep. Okay. Wolf or mountain lion? Uh, that's a tough one. I would, I, I've never shot in a wolf, so that's definitely on the, uh, I would say wolf. Wolf on one. the bucket list. Yeah. Then how about a black bear or a brown bear? Brown bear. Okay. Would you rather hunt uh, in your hand with an archery, muzzleloader, or a rifle? Uh, probably, you know, again, when I was younger, archery, probably getting a little more to the rifle now. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about optics. So Swarovski, Zeiss, or Leica? Swarovski. Okay. Are you a football fan? I am. Okay, so we got some big games coming up this weekend. Any <laughs> predictions between Patriots or Steelers? Yeah, you know, I'm an NFC, uh, sorry, an AFC East fan of the Buffalo Bills, but I am going to have to go with the Patriots, unfortunately. In okay, that one. yeah. And then uh, in the NFC, who do you think, Packers or Falcons? It's a tough one. I'm, you know, it's a pick them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm hoping for the Falcons in that one. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay, um, so just, just a question. So, you know, Looking back on some of the answers that you had said, you know, in Arizona, for the deer, you would pick 13B versus 13A. What, what's sure. kind of your, your thought process between the two units, and what differentiates one from the other? You know, that's a great question. And, and when we roll into the Arizona deer and sheep drawing in June, we'll always have conversation with a lot of outfitters on the ground, so to speak. Uh, a lot of great outfitters in Arizona, as you know. I mean, these guys are completely switched on. And in talking to them, when we have our state strategy meetings, especially in the last two years, it used to be we'd apply people first choice 13B, second choice 13A, and now the guides are and the outfitters are telling me not even to bother with 13A and just stick with 13B. So That's interesting. Yeah. So tag allocations, is it like is it 20 and 35, I think? Is that the allocations in those units if it's not it's close i think it's, it's like 30 and i think there's three non-residents so if it's a 10 percent yeah, rule i think there's three and three somewhere in there yeah. so that's probably right yeah. yeah yeah when you were talking about well we discussed arizona elk unit nine or unit 23 north i was looking at some of the statistics just because the arizona elk draw is coming up here uh, in february and uh, you can't beat unit nine's bull to cow ratio when that's you right. look at uh, some of the some of the statistics um I, I want to say there's like, I can't remember how many 80-some bulls to X amount of cows. I mean, it's incredible. Cows. Yeah, yeah, the amount of the bulls in that unit. But they've also talked about Unit 9 losing a little ground. And I don't know if part of that is due to drought seasons that they've had. But it seems like in Unit 9, so there's, there's what, I think 50 tags or 35 tags. I think there's 50 or yeah, I think there's 50 tags, right? Early early bull tags, which I think this year is a muzzleloader hunt. For maybe. a muzzleloader? Okay. Yeah. I think, it, you know, last year was the rifle. I think this year's muzzleloader. Yeah. So for like a non-resident, you, you take 10% out, right? And then you take partial do some preference points. Some go to random draw. So right. the odds of drawing as a non-resident become less and less in Arizona for elk is, is what I was that what I see that is true you know the great thing about it though is last year for the first time in 2016 they did have that five percent random element to those draws so un previously undrawable tags without max points like the Arizona strip like unit nine like 23 north at least there's a chance now sure. however slim it, it is in my opinion a better system that they went to and everybody should be using that first choice arizona is going to look at two choices even though you get five choices on that application they're only going to look at the first two right so you want to make those first two choices count um, naturally with things being in play now where they weren't before some of these early bugle tags uh, you the best strategy I think a person could use is to go swing for the fences on that first choice. Because what if? What if you come out of the hat first? Sure. Right? 
and then maybe back it up with like a 23 late rifle, you know, probably the best late rifle tag in the state. What non-residents need to understand is that they will probably never draw, I mean, they can, right? But statistically, they probably never will draw an early bugle tag. Um, with if you have you know 15 points or less, which most people sure. do. So while it you know that rule change, it really only affected the guys with max points, and you know I'm sorry for that, but the majority of the people it helped. And again, our our application strategy there would be swing for the fences on that first choice, and then back it up with a more realistic second choice to yeah. get you to get you into the woods. Right? Yep. Yeah, and then it's neighboring unit. Unit 10 is another unit that I know. Um, actually, a, a friend of mine drew that tag um, about two or three years ago. He was a max point holder, and uh, he actually shot a pretty nice bull in Unit 10, but it wasn't without pretty big. It was a difficult hunt for him to actually end up you know, harvesting the bull that he was trying to go after. And he, I think he'd spent 10 to 12 days on the hoof trying to get that bull. But Unit 10 seems to be that it's not the same unit that it used to be. And I think part of that is due to the amount of tags that have been allocated. I think three or four years ago it was higher, and then they cut it down, you know, to less tags. So I, You know, you're dead on. I mean, it, uh, Unit 10, when I first started back in 2003 doing this for a profession, I mean, it was the top unit. Now you talk to, to outfitters and guides, and it's still, like you said, um, it's still a pretty good early tag, right? Uh, the late tag, I think there's 500 late rifle tags in there. Okay. And all those bulls end up kind of in the same spot on the late rifle, so it's not even a choice we hardly use anymore. In fact, we don't. At Worldwide Trophy Ventures tags, we don't use it as a late choice anymore. We do use it as an early choice. There's also going to be a muzzleloader hunt in there with 40 tags in November, and that might be a kind of a secret, you know, sure. something to apply for. Kind of a sleeper. Kind of a sleeper, right? Yeah. Some of the units, I think, of a, is sleeper in Arizona are always like the three units up around, you know, the reservation area, 3B and 3B South, and some of those units that yeah. get some of those Fort Apache bulls that cross. Do you guys see a lot of traffic on the on the, on the the units around that area? We do, 3A, 3C, I, even though it's not in that management that you were talking about where it's, I think it's 80 bulls to 100 cows, which I think those units would be 23, 9, 1, and maybe 10. Um, even though 3A3C is not managed that way, it's still a great unit to have. It's a quality experience. We have had, in fact, we drew one last year for a guy on archery hunt, and he had a, just a, a wonderful experience. It's still a very high-quality experience for sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, um, that kind of sums up the quick draw Q&A, so thanks for giving us a little insight there sure. on some of those tags. So um, looking at our topics we're going to cover today, really uh, where we're going to go with our conversation is we're going to discuss... Um, you know, kind of the, the grassroots discussion around, you know, Worldwide Trophy Adventures, um, how they've got, you know, from where they started to where they're at now. And then we're going to kind of change over into a conversation a little more uh, direct with Eric uh, as being the manager of the tag application process and dig into, um, you know, preference points versus bonus points. We're going to talk about application strategies. Um, you know, if, if I was new to the game, how would you apply? You know, what type of budget do you need? Clearly in some states, um, it can be a significant financial, um, you know, expenditure to apply in certain states. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get a little personal uh, with Eric and ask him uh, just some hunting questions about, um, you know, some tags that he's held in the past, and really some some recaps of his hunting seasons and so forth. Uh, and then we'll close out the discussion. So, 
Eric, if you could just maybe kind of give us a, a grassroots discussion around, you know, how you got your passion for the outdoors uh, and maybe how that um, brought you, you know, as a roadmap to WTD, WTA over time. Sure. You know, I, um, I grew up in Western New York and, and my parents, they do not hunt or fish, right? Um, my best friend growing up, his father was uh, an executive, but he was also a, a you know, grew up in the mountains of Pennsylvania and he was a he was a very engaged sportsman and I was best friends with his son he brought me into it so one of those stories where somebody passes it on right and you know from I think the first hunt we did was a pheasant hunt and it was it was over from there now I had fished before that right I was always in the tributaries off Lake Erie um Obviously, at that young age, I didn't have a boat, so I was always fishing steelhead and salmon, you know, 18-mile creek, Cataraugus Creek, all those. My mother would drop me off. My father would pick me up, whatever it was. But then um, I was introduced to hunting a little bit later. I think I was closer to 14 or 15 years old, again, through my best friend's father. And, and I just, you know, I took off from there. I went to the University of Dayton for college. And I remember my senior year, I had no interest in going into the into the workforce. I really wanted to go out west and see an elk. I had never even seen an elk before, but I was always an avid reader. I was always in the woods growing up. Anyway, long story short, you know, we're driving home from my last day of school, and my father said to me, he said, what are you going to do? You got that resume ready? You know, let's go here. We just went through four years of, of you know, fairly expensive school. And I sure. said, Dad, I'm going out west, you know. And he couldn't, he was just, he didn't even get Mortified, it. Mortified, you know? probably. Yeah, he was shocked. And uh, we said, all right, we'll get it out of your system, go out there. I went and worked for an outfitter, and I picked up on the draw. You know, I picked up that it's very different from the east side of the country to the west side of the country and how they allocate tags. And I don't know, for some reason, that really resonated with me, and I really became a student of it over the next decade. After, after I had worked for that outfitter for that fall and kind of, you know, cut my teeth, I went back home, and I did get a normal job, right? I got a pretty good job in Chicago, and I spun that into another job. And um, I remember I got my uh, first good commission check, and I called Cabela's Outdoor Ventures. Right? This is back, you know, in the late 90s. And um, I was going to book a brown bear hunt. I always wanted to shoot a brown bear with my bow for some reason. That was the big hunt that stuck out to me. And I got to talking to Greg Severinsen, who was the manager of Cabela's and the founder of Cabela's Outdoor Adventures at the time. And I just started talking to him. And we hit it off pretty well on the phone. And I said to him, I said, boy, you guys have that outdoor adventure service where they help you, uh, where they recommend destinations for such things as brown bear. And, um, and I asked him, I said, how come you guys don't have a license application service? And he said, you know, he said, it's something we're thinking about. We're just not ready to do it yet. And I said, well, listen, if you're ever, you know, wanting to do something like that, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I'd love to talk to you about it. And then it was about two years later where we had spoken again. I didn't go on the brown bear hunt. I paid off my college loan. But two years later, um, when I was ready again, I called Greg again. And he remembered the conversation. And he said, you know, I remember talking to you. He said, we are going to start a license application service. And I said, Greg, I said, if you could just let me send you a business proposal on how I would do it. I'm not saying it's the right way to do it, yeah. but it's an idea. It's a thought. And I and he said, I would love to see it. I, I, I remember I left work that day early, and I went home, and I put this PowerPoint together. All night I worked on it, and I overnighted it to him. About a day or two later after he received it, uh, Greg Semerson from Cabela's Outdoor Adventures called me and said, this is great. I love it. He said, Cabela's wants to fly you out. Again, I was living in Chicago. Cabela's wants to fly you out to Sydney, Nebraska, which you fly into Denver. Right? Sure. Yeah, so you're I, not going to fly into Sydney. <laughs> I flew into Denver, 
and I was so excited and I start driving and I start driving and I'm like are you kidding me how could and I'm now out in the middle of the prairie right I mean there's nothing sure yeah and I get to this little town of Sydney and I'm like well this isn't gonna work out you know I said I said to myself well I'll spend the weekend with these guys and see what they're all about and um and I did. I spent the weekend with them, and I saw what they were up to. And it was a great team of guys, and it was a great community. And even though it was a small town, um, you know, I, I told myself, Eric, if you get this opportunity, you're going to take it. Greg Severance, the interview went great. It went unbelievably well. Um, and I was leaving on Sunday. I was having breakfast up at Greg's house, and he said, listen, Jim Cabell and I are going rhino hunting in Africa. And we're going to be gone for about a month, but when we get back, he's like, I'm going to make a decision on this. And I said, awesome. I said, let me know. So yeah. I flew back to Chicago, and he called me before he left for the, for the rhino hunt. And he told me, he said, listen, he goes, Cabela's wants to make you an offer. I immediately accepted, and I took the summer off, and I was out there September 1st and started Cabela's Tags for Cabela's in September 1st of 2003. And that's wow. How, that's how it all came together. You know? Wow. That's a neat story. Yeah. So then um, in July of 16, some pretty big news hit that, you know, WTA actually purchases the Cabela's tag service. So, um, you know, I guess fast forward from what, 2003 sure. through some of that process to last year, huge announcement. Um, maybe walk us through how that transition went and, and uh, how that's going for you. You know, I think we were all pretty surprised, uh, but when you really think about it, it made perfect sense for Cabela's to, to kind of spin us off um, to Mark Peterson and Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Mark was a really good client of ours for a lot of years, uh, him and his father and his brother-in-law. Uh, they utilized the TAGS application service, and then Mark, you know, being as young as he was, went off and, and started a, a service, um, bought, bought Worldwide Trophy Adventures, which was based out of St. George, Utah. Um, and then when Cabela's made the announcement that they were going to spin Outdoor Adventures and Cabela's tags off, Mark uh, texted me and he said, is this true? Are they selling it? And I said, yeah. I said, you should bid on it. And he said, you're dang right I'm going to bid on it. You know, and, and Mark, um, Mark was the winning bidder. It went through a pretty you know, intensive process because Cabela's didn't want to hand off their best customers to just anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Mark, uh, Mark won the bid, and, and it's, it's been a great transition. You know, transitions are always, you know, they're never easy. Um, change is, is never easy, but, it, it, you know, it, it's going great, and I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with, with how things are going. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is that Mark and, and his team of guys, um, they have the, the float in place, Cabela's tag, or I'm sorry, Worldwide Trophy. Well, Cabela's tags, our, our big idea was to float the money for people to help them apply in more places. And Mark, you know, had the resources to do that. And that is, you know, probably the greatest feature of, of the Worldwide Trophy Adventures tag service. So I'm, I'm super happy with it. Things are going great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, I, I, I think when people call in to the Sydney office, Mark kept everything in place, right? Uh, the entire crew uh, in the city of Nebraska office. They're, and so it was pretty seamless for the customer. I don't, other than the name change, I don't think the customer really feels any difference in service. I think yeah. it's still, you know, that Cabela's world-class customer service. Um, and, uh, and it's, it, you know, there hasn't been any deviation to, to, to the offering. So mm-hmm. it's really gone well for us. Yeah, that was kind of one of my questions, I guess, when you merge, you know, to a large corporation like that and, and you've obviously got policies from both companies and 
you know, were there a lot of differences or did that stuff get worked through or did you just absorb one or the other? So the, the greatest thing in the world, you know, I work for a big corporate you know, Cabell's, I mean, it's not a little company anymore, yeah. right? It's a big yeah. publicly traded organization. And probably, uh, you know, the best part of Worldwide Trophy Adventures taking us over is it's nice to, you know, I was in the corporate world for, you know, 20 years, right? 15 of those with Cabela's. And it's it's nice to have, you know, to maybe not be so corporate. And, um, and, and that's probably, you know, the best part for all of us mm-hmm. is that it is a little more laid back. I mean, we're still running it uh, like you know a very organized corporation, but it, it's not so it's not so corporate. structured to where it's you know it's it's intensive where you can't get stuff done. You can still get work done. You know, it was hard at the end there it, with Cabela's. It was hard. they were so focused on the retail footprint, right, and putting up the big box retail that it was hard to get the, the right type of support to grow the outdoor adventures and the tags business. And Cabela's understood that. They understood that we were kind of put on the back burner because they needed their resources for, you know, projects that would generate hundreds of millions of dollars where we were just a small little company inside of a big corporation. And so with Mark coming in and Worldwide Trophy Ventures guys coming in and absorbing us, we have been able to do some cool things that we were never able to do before, which we desperately needed to keep growing. So it it, it was a perfect, I mean, I, I understand why Cabela's spun it off and it was the right thing to do for sure. Yeah. Cool. So that kind of leads us into, um, you know, the next discussion. So one of the things you talked about is you guys, you know, will float money for folks. Let's say you got a guy who wants to go, uh, you know, hunt uh, a doll sheep in Alaska, but may not have the money. You can't, you know, budget for it for a couple of years. So how do, is that a process? How, how do you guys work through that with clients? Sure. So a good, a good example would probably be like Wyoming, where you, when you apply for a Wyoming sheep tag, you have to hit the deadline, which is February 28th. You have to know where you're applying, what game management you need to apply in. And you also have to send them the $2,000 tag fee at time of application, okay? Now, granted, you do get that money back, but still, it comes out of your bank account for, you know, a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in a New Mexico application, right, where that tag fee to apply for their sheep tag is $3,000, Right. And that's, you know, a couple weeks later. So now you got 2000 out to Wyoming. Now you want to apply for the New Mexico sheep tag. That's another three grand you have out there. And then Idaho comes up, right? The best odds in the West of drawing a sheep tag. That's another $2,000 float. To play the game right, you need to be applying in those three states for Rocky Mountain Bighorn Sheep. I mean, you know, those are top apply states. Now that's a lot of money coming out of your account. So Worldwide Trophy Adventures, we say, Mr. Customer, look, we will float that on your behalf, right? Now, to do that, we do charge per application. Sure. Um, and if you draw, we'll call you, right? And then you would reimburse us for the tag. If that you, makes if sense. If you don't draw, we would get the float back in our account. Okay. Yeah. So That's we, cool. We have the financial strength to do that, and that is a huge differentiator to our service. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, can't float ten to $15,000 on applications. I mean, you hit... Wyoming's a big one that starts in January, you know, and you got to float the elk tag. And, and uh, I mean, it's for some people, that's a lot of money for right, sure. to throw out there up front. So, so that's cool. How about, um, you know, like landowner tags? I know you guys, um, you know, provide those cancellation hunts, um, travel services. Maybe just talk through a little bit about some of those services that you, you guys provide. You bet. I mean, we're, you know, that's, that's a great, I mean, we are a full service agency, right? So not only do we have the tag service where we're floating the money and helping people 
draw the, and build preference points and bonus points on the highest quality tags in the country. We also have the Outdoor Adventures where you don't have to mess with any draws. They're vetted operations across the globe that we have professionally vetted and that we believe in and that we endorse. And when you call us, we'll make a professional recommendation. Now, once you book that trip, we also have a full-service travel agency to get you where you need to go. So some of those places aren't that easy to fly into. Cold Bay, Alaska comes to mind. You know, a lot of, you know, certain places up north, certain places in Africa, certain places in Asia. We have a, a professional travel agency that specializes in that kind of stuff that'll be with you the whole way. If you get stuck across the pond somewhere, you're going to need somebody to, you know, to rely yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. And the travel agency is nice. Um, we also, there's another great example of, we should have had a landowner tag program in place 10 years ago. And it was just... You know, if Cabell's was going to do it, they were going to do it right. They were going to, you know, it's a lot of resources, it's salary and wages, it's, you know, getting somebody out there to, you know, meet all the landowners and figure it out. And we just, you know, they, they weren't ready to, again, they were allocating their resources to the retail footprint. Now with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, we do have a landowner tag program in place. A guy named Ben Brown runs it for us. Great guy, super engaged, completely switched on. If you're a DIY hunter and, you know, obviously you can use the tags program, but if you don't draw a tag, instead of going and toughing it out in some over-the-counter public land area, mm-hmm. you know, give Ben Brown a call at, at Worldwide Trophy Adventures, and he can kind of show you what he has for, yeah. for landowner vouchers. Yeah, right? that, which that's another great right service. now, I mean, is is a lot of people are using the landowner tags as for DIY hunters because they're not drawing, but they want to hunt. And they want to hunt quality areas. And they want to hunt quality. They don't want to go into areas where there's, you know, 20 other hunters within, you know, a 10-square-mile area. So. I can I can see that. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a great addition for us. Okay, um, so we're 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 still kind of talking through you know the WTA tag service. So there's a lot of companies out there that do application services. You know, there's a ton of competition. Um, you know, there's it seems like there's a new one coming up. You know, every year that it adds some different element to tag application process. Um, and you may have already spoke to some of it around being a full-service agency, but what do you think sets WTA apart from your competitors? Um, some that have been doing this for, you know, 15, 20 years sure. have been doing tag application process. Sure. You know, it is the full-service. Uh, on the tag side, though, it's definitely that float. There, there aren't any other tag agencies that I know of. I know there was one in the past. I don't think he's floating the money anymore. I don't believe there are any... Uh, license application services that are floating the money right now. I don't think so. And that, that's probably the main differentiator to, to our service. Yeah. How many folks do you have that work specifically in the tag application process? Is it a large group that you manage? Or? It, it's it's uh, it's four guys that know it really well inside and out. If you get any one of the four, I'm sorry, there's five. If you get any one of the five of us on the phone, um, you know, we're going to know you know, all the Western states, how their draw application procedures are, how many choices they look at, the game management units that, you know, are, you know, a high level, maybe mid-tier, maybe lower end, um, the points that it might take to draw. Not, not, I mean, there's a random element to every one of these draws, mm-hmm. except for maybe Colorado. But they can help you differentiate what your statistical probability is of drawing with different numbers of points. Um, there's so much to this application game that you really do have to be a student of it, doing it eight hours a day, five days a week. I talk to so many guys that are handling their own applications, and quite frankly, they're 99% of them are not. There's some little tweak that they're missing, or that you know that they're not sure. doing right that we can you know that we can help you with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've I've been doing all my applications for about the last 10 to 12 years, and I've kind of built a system myself where 
you know, and I, and I use, I use some of the services out there, but for the most part, you know, I've built a spreadsheet over 10 to 12 years where, you know, I've been putting in, you know, percentages, you know, of harvest and I'll go on to the fishing game websites. And I try to do some of that myself because I enjoy doing that versus, you know, spending a hundred bucks and having someone else do it for me. But it is enjoyable for a lot of guys. No question. But now it's, it's just so easy to, to pay a hundred bucks or 150 bucks or whatever it is. Right. Or, or, or have a company to float the money for some of these tags and, and allow you guys to do that. So I see it, I see it as a very valuable service. Okay. Um, Next, let's talk a little bit about, and I think a lot of folks don't truly understand, you know, and they say, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, apply for a point in this state or, you know, I'm applying in, in Montana, which, you know, Montana is a, a bonus point state versus you look at other states that are, you know, a preference point state or some are modified preference point states. Sure. Can you explain a little bit the difference between an actual state where you would apply for specifically bonus points sure. versus a state where you would apply specifically as a preference point state? Sure, you bet. Let's cover them real quick. So, you know, bonus points are just more raffle tickets in the hat, right? It doesn't mean that if you have 10 raffle, you've been applying 10 years, so you have 10 raffle tickets in the hat, and I'm coming in for the first time, I have one raffle ticket in the hat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they can't reach in that hat and grab my name out, even though you have 10 raffle tickets and I only have one. Correct. Right? So there's always a rant, there's always an element. Every, you, can always draw a preference point system like in Colorado for their elk deer and antelope tags you have to have the highest number of points for any chance in that unit so if you're applying for a unit 40 archery elk tag in Colorado I know that you have to have at least eight points to draw that tag and anyone with less than eight is not going to draw it right uh, then there's the modified preference, like a Wyoming. So Wyoming sheep tags, it's it's a 75-25. 75% of the tags go to guys with max points, mm-hmm. and 25% of the tags are issued randomly. So that's so you have bonus preference and modified preference. I, what I would like to point out to the public is that in every state except Colorado, you have... An, in most of the western states, you have a chance to draw the very first time you apply. Sure. Okay? Um, there's very few states that are on true preference, okay? I'd also like to point out that if you're applying for a sheep tag or an Arizona strip mule deer tag or, or any high-quality elk tag, this point only, um, you know, the, 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 the applying for point only is not the way to go, right? Yeah. You need every chance from the time from your you start applying mm-hmm. to the time you're not able to hunt anymore to yeah. draw that tag. So let's say that's, let's say you're 40 and you're going to hunt till you're 60, right? And you, you, let's say you start the application game at age 40, okay? I think my average customer is 39 years old, right? So those 20 chances from 40 to 60, you need to be in that draw. Yes, absolutely. Unless your daughter's getting married or some radical thing is going on, it has to be really, really radical to do a point only, right? Yeah. And it's, oh, I don't have the money, I'm not ready. I understand. You find the money, you do it, do it DIY, you do whatever you can because, I mean, I mean, th- there's such coveted tags and there's such special opportunities that, you know, a point-only application should be very, very rare. Yeah. Like yeah. I say, if there's a medical issue or something that you just can't hunt the following year. but right. Yeah, but then you got states like Nevada that will square points, yeah, right? So point how, does that, how does that process work? Okay, so Nevada, you know, one of my favorite states. I think every state should model after Nevada. I love the squared point system. Here, here's the problem with some of this stuff. You have these guys that are getting up in age, right, and they've been putting in for sheep tags for 30 years, 20 years, and then 
15 year old kid and I love kids. We do, we do tag applications for free for kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's always, you're always rooting for the guy that is at the end, right? He's at the end of his career and he hasn't drawn the sheep tag yet. Right. So when they square a bonus point system, right. And the guy's got 10 points, 10 squared is a hundred names in the hat. Right. So, and then the guy coming in for the first time has one name in the hat. So it, it, it really pushes the drawing odds to the guy who's been at it the longest while still having that random element to let somebody get lucky and draw. Sure. You know, you, you look at it. I hate the preference point system in Colorado. I, I think it's a joke. I think yeah. they need to relook at that. Um, you know, there has to be, and I knew that I know they have the hybrid draw now, which was a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just it's it's difficult. I mean, if you're if you're going after high quality, you know, to wait 20 years, and then there's point creep, right? So mm-hmm. um, people on the sidelines maybe yeah. only applying for points. They don't understand, right? and then they jump in the game. Anyway. That's exactly right. You know, and and there's certain things that need to be tweaked in, in, in different states, but yeah. Nevada's definitely got things figured out. Yeah, I noticed when I asked, um, you know. The, in your opinion, the best elk unit in Colorado, you picked 201, which is that north, you know, that northwest sure. corner, and you know, 201, one in that dinosaur area, it's like 20 some points, yeah, right? 25. By 25. The time you get 25, I mean, it'll be 50, and who's, you'll never catch. You'll it. never draw. You'll never draw that tag, right? Yeah. So then you start looking at, you know, units like 61 and some of those other units, but they're eight, that's like 18 points, yeah. right? So, yeah. It's so you're really deal. at a point where. You try to find a good mid-tier unit. Hopefully, you can draw it. Or is your strategy, you know what? I'm going to draw a unit that I know I can get application in in four years, and I'm going to go and put boots on the ground and do a lot of glassing and try to find the best bull in the unit, right? Right. Arizona is a state like that too, I think, where, sure. you know, you will probably I'll probably never draw a unit nine. I mean, statistically, there's a chance now with with the random, you know, five percent. But sure. realistically, you know, what's a good mid-tier unit that may take four or five years to draw? Uh, and still have good trophy class. I think that's more probably a strategy that I see a lot of people going. So that's our strategy. You know, uh, when I, when my guys are on the phone with clients, with, you know, they're they're talking to them exactly about that. They're like, look, we are going to swing for the fences on your first choice, but we need to do a 27 late or a 23 late, you know, or a one late rifle tag. It, it takes place, you know. To, I think this this year takes place December first. That's what 99% of non-residents are drawing because the bugle tags are so hard to draw. Those yeah. are still great hunts. You, if you draw a unit 27 late rifle tag, which a guy can draw, you know, seven or eight points, you know, you can draw it earlier than that, come out of the hat early. You know, you go on a hunt for $5,500 and you're hunting, you know, 330 to 350 I mean, sometimes 380 bulls come out of there. Yeah. You're never going to find that kind of quality for that kind of price in the open market. Correct. Right? Yeah. And that's that's what guys should be doing. I mean, yeah. I mean, no. you can you can wait it out. You know, you can wait out for the the, the the super high end. But you know, the other the other the better strategy, in my opinion, is get hunting, get out in the woods, and, exactly. and and put in on these second choices and third choices and fourth, put in for some of those more drawable tags because they're still super high quality experiences for people. Yep. Especially Absolutely. with the way elk is now. I mean, you you look at on the outdoor adventure side of the business where you can just book an elk hunt and you don't have to mess with a draw. A place where you can go hunt 300-inch bulls in the bugle with a rifle. I mean, those hunts are over $10,000 now. Absolutely. You know, and so the draw is the only answer for a lot of guys. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. I, I, I get a lot of emails from different outfitters and guides, and, you know, I see, you know, come come hunt Colorado, you know, just, you know, basically buy your elk license and come hunt in Colorado for, sure. you know, five grand. We'll get you a, a 280 to 300-inch sure. to bull. It's like, 
I've hunted Colorado multiple years by myself DIY and I've shot you know a 300 inch bull so it's like I get it but there's always people that you know they don't want to do the homework they don't want to do the math they don't want to sit on Google Earth and try to find a good place to hunt they want people are busy you know and and they have careers and they have families and and, and it's their vacation you know and they do it once and they want to do it right yeah and I get that yeah and that's the thing I think you know to your model at WTA I'm sure you guys have every gamut of a guy who maybe wants a landowner tag but wants to do it by himself versus a guy that has a bunch of money that says, hey, find me the best unit, the best tag you can find, right? I'm sure exactly right. you it's guys have a wide gamut for of, sure. of clients. Okay, cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about application strategies specifically for, for some of your clients. And I kind of want to look at it in the lens of, you know, long-term versus short-term goals. And we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but let's say I come to you today at the at the sheep show and I've never applied anywhere and I want to start getting involved and sure. you know I've been doing this for you know like say 12 years so I'm I'm a little ahead of the game but for some folks there's people sure. today applying for their first Wyoming elk tag right so sure. what, what's your guys' strategy for someone like that and you know getting their expectations understanding what they want and working with those types of clients sure so when when a person calls or the office or comes to us at a show or wherever they come from, we're going to ask them some questions like, "How old are you? What are your trophy quality expectations? What you know? What's your time horizon? What weapons are you are you uh, willing to hunt with? Are you looking for Boone and Crockett, or are you just hey, I just want to go to a unit where I'm going to see a lot of elk. I'm going to have a quality experience. I don't need to shoot a 370 bull. You know, 300's just fine, right? So we're going to get all that data and we're going to interview the person and we're going to go back and forth and have an open conversation with them. What have you hunted? How you know? Have you ever killed an elk before? On um, the sheep tags, if I have, you know, a 60-year-old guy coming to me where he doesn't have time to wait it out, I'm, you know, Idaho is my number one pick for him. No mm-hmm. point system in place. Uh, the best odds in the West because in the state of Idaho, you can only apply for one species. If Correct. You, if you apply for moose or mountain goat, you cannot apply for sheep and vice versa. So it leaves the odds much better than any other Western state. If I have a 20-year-old, you know, younger kid come to me, uh, I'm going to get him in a state that has... You know, we're going to look at Montana. I think they'll have 14 non-resident sheep tags there this year. Colorado is going to have close to probably 20 non-resident sheep tags, right? Um, you know, so we're going to look at tag availabilities. A younger kid, you know, Idaho maybe isn't the choice for me. You have to buy that expensive license, mm-hmm. right? Up front. Yep. Up front. Um, and, and, and we're going to go with a state like a Montana, a Colorado, uh, maybe a Wyoming that has a point system that he'll eventually... Uh, you know, get, get benefit from, right? Uh, so, you know, it depends on the, and, you know, it depends on the species. I'll ask a guy. I'll say, you know, are you an elk guy? Are you a deer guy? Are you a sheep guy? A little bit of everything. Most people are a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. or, or it seems elk is a very, very popular category for us, right? In fact, we booked so many elk hunts at Outdoor Adventures that we had to, when we break out the business to look at it from a structural standpoint, we had to break out that one species, um, you know. Separately from separately the rest, from the rest of it, yeah. So, wow. elk is definitely um, one that we're on the phone a lot. Obviously, sheep is, is our next highest category, uh, and we'll you know we'll talk to them about that. We'll come up with a strategy that works for them. Everybody's different, and then you know the whole key to it, Lucas, is that you want. So this costs money, right, to apply in these states. Not only do we charge a fee, the states charge pretty hefty fees with yeah. these licenses that we've talked about. Yeah. I'll go through it with them. I'll explain to them that the top four sheep states are this for you. The top two desert sheep states are this for you. You have to buy licenses here. This is what you're looking at. So, you know, if the best two sheep states for desert sheep are Arizona and Nevada, which they are, right, um, you know, 
can you afford both of them or just one of them? If it's just one of them, it's Nevada. You know, if it's two of them, then you pick up the Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you can tell statistically, based off of their budget, what to recommend first. And again, it's all based off non, non-resident drawing knots. That's the only real thing you look at, right, for sheep tags, yeah. um, some better elk tags. Yeah. And, that's, and, then, and then we put a portfolio together that they're comfortable with paying year after year after year. So if that number's $500 or $1,000 a year for your Western big game tags, whatever that number is, you have to make sure that it's a number that you can live with every year, that when you get that bill every December that you're going to pay. Because if you're in one year and out the next year, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Right? Yep. So you yep. don't want to get a guy all signed. I mean, some guys come to me like, if there's a non-resident tag, put me in for it. I don't care if the portfolio is 10 pages long. I'm putting in for every single tag in the West. Most people aren't in that kind of a situation. Most people have a budget, they have realistic expectations, and then we recommend off what that budget is, how old they are, what their weapon preference is, that kind of thing. Trophy quality desire. The thing that, I mean, I think would concern me is if you're new to the game, there's only so many sheep tags out there, and there is so many applications. you got to believe. And (laughs) Absolutely. You you have to be a believer in the system, and, and you hit it exactly right. You need to look at states like Idaho. It's an upfront cost. But there's no point system. I have the same. If you and I apply for the, you know, the same tag in Idaho, right? Um, Whether you've been at it 20 years and I've been at it one, doesn't matter. Same, right? Doesn't matter. And so, and plus, and you bring up a good point. If someone applies for a goat tag, they can't apply for a sheep tag or True. a moose tag. They can't apply for a sheep tag in Idaho. So, right. it really it it spreads the wealth and, and your opportunity is better. But again. There's still only, I always say that there's only so many sheep tags out there and how many tens of thousands of applications. So there's definitely some luck involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you talked a little bit about how WTA kind of floats some of the, some of the money, but you know, how, how do you prepare someone? So again, back to the beginner, how, how do you prepare someone and tell them, Hey, here, here's what the implications are. You know, we'll do this for you, but God forbid you draw this tag, right? It's, Sure. Two to three grand, right? New Mexico, you draw this tag. It's, sure. You know, how do you prepare people to understand, new to the game, that this is not something that um, you know could be taken lightly? I mean, this there's a pretty big financial expenditure for applying. You know, it's it's interesting <laughs> when when a draw posts in one of the western states, my application team checks every name, right, and then they spit out the lucky list and they give it to the consultants, and then we start making phone calls. You know, eighty percent of the guys are completely excited, out of their mind, can't believe they drew, oh my gosh, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. But there's that 20% that are like, uh-oh, what does that mean? You know, yeah. there's some, you know, I, I owe you guys some money now, yeah. right? And and you do need to be prepared for it, and you do need to understand what you're applying for, because you're right, if you do hit a sheep tag, it's probably going to be around $2,000, and then, you know, you're going to have to decide if you want an outfitter, right? And, and so you're calling a guy and telling him this great news, and at the same time, he's also understanding and processing that, you know, processing yeah. that there's an expense coming his yeah. way, right? Yeah. But you got to remember, too, sheep hunting is so expensive right now, right? To go Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep hunting in Alberta, where you can get a tag over the counter with an outfitter, you're looking at, you know, minimum $30,000. I got, there's guys at the show here at the sheep show selling for 45 now, more than that, right? 
uh, you know, a desert sheep tag down in old Mexico, 50,000 at, at yeah. a minimum, right? Yeah. So if you can draw on the lower 48, you can go on a fully guided sheep hunt for six or seven thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So it is, while it's a savings, it is still an expense. It's a great question because you do need to understand what you're applying for and what the consequences are of drawing, which yeah. sounds funny to say consequences because it's such a, it's That's such a great exciting thing. time in your life. Yeah. But then you got to realize that, you know, if your credit card hits and you see the credit card, you know, if it is a trophy unit like a sheep, you know, 80% of the people are going to probably want to get an outfitter because they're going to want to make this, you know, the hunt of a lifetime. Right. It's, it's, you I know. would say, I would say most of our guys do hire an outfitter for a dream tag drawn like that, which is the right call. Uh, another thing you bring up a credit card, right? Another service of worldwide trophy adventures is that our credit card is on file, not yours. Right. So when that, okay. when those States hit, they hit our card. So I will secure that tag for you. There's a lot of people that put their card in there the state, Arizona, for the first time this year, is not going to be calling people, telling them, hey, your card declined, and you have 24 hours to get it into play because you drew a tag. They're not going to do that anymore. If your right? card expires, it's over. the application yeah. goes out so the door. Can you imagine hitting a sheep tag this year and your card, your card declines for whatever reason, fraud or credit limit? My card is not going to decline for fraud or credit limit, right? So I'll secure that tag for you. I'll then call you, tell you you drew. And if you need a little time to get the money, I mean, I don't need the money that day, mm-hmm. right? But that's, you know, that's another important that's thing for part people of it. to understand. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about you, Eric, and, um, you know, really kind of dig into some of, um, you know, your, uh, you know, hunting expeditions and stuff that you've done. So if you could hold any tag in any state, any species, what would it be and why? So, you know, I do have my three-quarter slam, and I'm waiting on that desert cheap tag to come through. Statistically, it's probably going to come through Nevada or Arizona, just because that's where the non-resident tag availabilities mm-hmm. are. I think, you know, so I'm. I mean, that's my dream tag right now. I've drawn a lot of good tags. I've been putting in pretty heavily, you know, for the last 15 years. I'm pointed up all over the West. I'm a completely loyal to the process. You know, I I never miss a year. Um, and so there, you know, I've drawn some great tags randomly. You know, I drew a Montana Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep tag the fourth time I ever applied for it. Wow! With three points, I drew a mountain goat tag in Montana the very first time I ever applied for it. I have clients that have drawn tags like that. You know, last year I drew the ibex tag in New Mexico down in the Floridas. But you know, people say, "Well, how do you draw all these tags? It's rigged. It's not rigged. It's no. just you know, Bill Jordan, Michael Waddell, all the guys that we apply, Shockey." They're loyal to the process. They do it exactly as it needs to be done, and they've been doing it a long time. Wow. And that's how those tags come through for them. Right? You're the guy I need to stand mm-hmm. by when you buy a lot of tickets, it sounds some, like. I've had some luck, yeah, for wow. sure. That's cool. So, also, you know, one thing I'd like to say, too, I don't apply for the best sheep tags in the, in the state. I would never put in for a Montana-Missouri breaks tag. You know, because the odds are so brutal, and a 160 or a 170 ramp is big enough. I don't sure. I went into 441. The odds were one in 50 that year. I think a lot of people, especially on the sheep tags, don't realize they they think that the odds are one in 10 million. You know, they're I mean, 441 the year I drew that sheep tag, the odds are I think were one in 57. Right. That's pretty good. And it wasn't a good unit, but I killed a ram. Sure. You know, and and it was a great you know it was great. I mean, it was the hunt that I think about the most. Um, so, you know, that's another strategy that, you know, unless you're working on your second slam or your second of that species, 
don't apply for these top units. These sheep are so hyper-managed in these western states that even the worst units are good. Sure. Right? So, yeah. No. Yeah, they're managed really well. And doesn't Montana have kind of an over-the-counter sheep process now where you can basically buy a tag and hunt sheep, not in any trophy class areas, but it allows you the ability to at least... Hunt Get sheep. In the woods. Yeah, you know, they have what's called the unlimited units down around Yellowstone Park, north side of the park there. And it's the same thing. You have to have the application to them by May 1st. Um, and you will draw the tag, and you will be charged $750 for the tag. And it's on a quota system. So you have the tag, and every day you have to call in, or maybe every 48 hours you have to call in. I think you have to call in every day. I've never been, I've, I've hunted, it's funny, I drew a mountain, where I, when I said I drew that mountain goat tag, that wasn't in an unlimited sheep unit. It was limited entry on the goats, mm-hmm. but it was it was unlimited sheep. And I was in there, and it, it's brutal country. I mean, that's some formidable country. You know, the success is very low. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday here at the sheep show that lives there. Uh, and he, I mean, he really enlightened me on how difficult that hunting really was. But to your point, it gets you into sheep country yeah. every year if you want. You got a sheep tag in your pocket, and no. most no. people may never have that, That's you know, right. in yeah. their possession. No. So you just have to be ready for a, a, a mountain hunt. Probably need some horses. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty formidable stuff. Now, if you do the um, one of those um, hunts, do you lose any points that you've built up if you apply? So, I, like I know a few years ago, there was the uh, Tendoy herd that was in Southwest Montana that had um, some pretty serious pneumonia issues and they actually culled out the herd. They said you could basically buy a tag over the counter and go hunt sheep, but you were going to have to give up all of your points. And I think there was even a moratorium of a year or two before you could start applying again. Is that the same with those unlimited units? And there's the seven-year wait if you do shoot a ram in there. It's it's the same. So it's, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's, I mean, Montana is a state that's known for quality and and, you know, to, to apply for an unlimited tag, lose all your points, go into an area that's, you know, pretty tough i mean you know success rates have got to push you know i would say less than 20 percent right sure um you really need to know what you're doing and, and you really need to be up for a challenge for yeah. sure but you know on the flip side of that coin it gets you into sheep country every year if you yeah. want to go sheep hunting you know. absolutely no it's a good opportunity and like i say someone who's wanting to to get up and do some sheep hunting it's it's it'd be a great opportunity for that so sure okay um a little bit about your 2016 season um what tags did you have just a quick recap did you did you get any killer animals last year so i personally had the worst draw of my life that i've had in the last me personally that i've ever had right since i really started applying heavily uh i drew a kansas white i didn't even draw the kansas whitetail tag which is normally 100 percent draw i put it for a unit unit one it's only like 73 percent in there i didn't draw that tag. i had to buy a leftover in kansas um so I, i i fell on my face pretty hard last year uh, you know, our clients did well. Um, you know, we drew, you know, a couple guys, sheep tags in Nevada, uh, some awesome elk tags in Nevada for three or four guys. We drew, um, our Arizona draw was down a little bit. Uh, New Mexico draw was down a little bit. Uh, Wyoming draw, we did really well, really well. I think, we, you know, I'm trying to think, I think we drew four sheep tags in Wyoming last year for people. Um, so, you know, our customers did pretty well. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, we knocked it out of the park last year. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, we were a little bit under the statistical number. Sure. Um, and me personally, terrible. Not I mean, very good, yeah, huh? Horrible. Yeah. But if you think about a year where, I mean, I know a lot of folks that drew some pretty good quality tags that got hit with drought seasons in certain areas. You know, Arizona was one. Sure. Um, you know, just didn't have the trophy class of animal that they've had in the past. I mean, clearly you can't predict that. So 
when you apply for someone right now in Wyoming or Arizona and they draw the primo tag, you know, yeah. come September, you can't guarantee them that the summer monsoonal rains are going to yeah. hit and it's going to be a great season. And that's just something that is so out of our control. But you may not have missed a bad year this last yeah, year because I know a lot of states did. had some issues with drought. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always something you have to keep your eye on. Um, you know, I like to see, I, I was happy to see that Arizona implemented what's called the point guard now where for $5 of insurance, you know, an extra $5 to the app, you can turn your tag back in. Uh, Colorado, of course, you can turn your tag back in. Nevada, you can turn your tag back in. So, you know, there are, you know, there's different rules behind each one of those states and when you can turn your tag back in. Sometimes it's, you know, it has to be before the first season, uh, so before the archery season, mm-hmm. even if you have a rifle tag. Um, some of it's 24-hour rule. Like, you know, 24. So, I mean, there's some things you can do to kind of get around that. But, boy, when you draw a great tag like that, you, it's hard to turn back in even on a, even on a tough moisture year because it could be a while before you draw it again. Absolutely. You know? But they do reinstate the points, which is nice, right? Yep. So they're, the Western states are trying to be a little more customer-friendly than they were maybe, you know, 20 years ago. So sure. They're, they're moving in the right direction. It's good to see. You think about the investment people put into this. I mean, a guy in Colorado that's been applying for 25 years or, you know, Arizona, like I say, you pay these $100, $150 license fees that are non-refundable, sure. right? And then 10 to $15 application fee. Sure. I mean, it it is a long-term investment. No and question. I think it's it, it's neat that you're starting to see more of the states allowing for folks to turn them back in, in the event something happens that they can't, you know, take that hunt that year. Or if it is a bad drought season, right, they get that one get out of jail free card. So. Yeah. And, and I also, to your point of, of the expense of this, I will have a lot of clients that'll add it up in their head and be like, if I put in for 10 years, I'm going to have just in the application process, I'm going to have two or $3,000 into this, right? Or more. I, I want them to understand that, yeah, there's some expense. And if you do that to yourself and add it up and drive yourself crazy with that, you're going to think this isn't worth it. But just, just think about this. What if you draw a sheet tag, right? You're going to save thousands of dollars. It's like hitting the lottery, mm-hmm. basically, right? For 20 or 30 grand. If you draw an elk tag, like we were talking earlier, you know, to book a good elk hunt now where the tag is guaranteed for just, you know, average 300 inch nice bulls, I mean, you know, 10, 12 grand. You draw a tag in the lower 48 in Arizona or in Nevada or a Utah. I mean, you can go on a super high quality hunt, you know, where you're hunting giants for, mm-hmm. you know, five grand. You yeah. know? So there is. There is some upfront investment, but you'll get it back once you get lucky in the draw, yeah. and, and, yeah. and it all works out in the end. So. You know, you're probably your worst odds of drawing a sheep tagger yeah. over in the middle of this building where yeah. it says raffle prices. God, you know, it's so funny. I have, I have such a good sense of this from doing it for so long, and I went over and I looked at that bucket, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean... Well, that's like the, I'll be at the, the expo in Salt Lake, and they've got the sheep hunts that they do there, sure. right, and the $5 tags, and I mean... Yeah. You're better off getting hit by lightning, yeah. right, than, than drawing one of those tags. It's pretty tough, for sure. But, but again, if I always say if you don't apply, That's you're not right. going to get an opportunity That's to exactly get the right. tag. So. And, it, you know, it goes to a good cause, too. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's that's really what it's about. Sure. Okay, how about uh, this year uh, in 2017? Um, do you have anything in terms of your application strategy where you're maybe aligning to try to draw a tag or you're set up to draw a tag for this coming year? You know, I think I was looking at it right before I came to Sheep Show. I think I have a fairly decent chance of drawing an Arizona tag if I apply for that late hunt on the second choice. I'll probably apply Archery Unit 9 first choice just because what if? What if I come out of the hat early? And I may consider putting in for 23 late rifle. And with the number of points I have, which I think is 14, I should be dang close to drawing sure. that tag. And yeah. 
you know, while they're not bugling and it's a little bit later, it's still a quality hunt. And if you if you hire a good outfitter in there, which there's several, you, you can do really, really well in there. Yeah. There's some great quality coming out of there. And to right your now. point, I think you said, you know, 23 is one of the, probably the better or best late season For rifle sure. tags yeah. that you can get in Arizona. So, you know, I'll draw, I'll draw, I have the Iowa points in Iowa. I only bow hunt deer. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I only I mean, I hunt deer with everything, but I prefer to hunt deer in the rut with a bow. Uh, and in the state of Iowa, you need, in most units, three three points for that. And I have my three points there, so I should draw Iowa this year. Um, Kansas I go to every year. Kansas on the whitetail is an application. Late April is the deadline. Typically, in most units, you'll draw the first time you apply. Uh, so I'll go down, bet some outfitters down there. Um, you know, I would say, you know, Worldwide Trophy Adventures, you know, we're, we're, we, do, we do a lot of things well. You know, maybe we do some things that we could, you know, improve a little bit. But whitetail hunting uh, in Kansas and Iowa for our draw hunters, I've been going down to those states every year for about a decade. And I've looked at some really good outfitters. And I've looked at some outfitters that I wouldn't consider outfitters that mm-hmm. are farmers or ranchers that have a ranch house that have some ground. And, and I, I've, we, we did that out, right? And I think we have some excellent places to hunt big whitetails right now for sure. Eric, do you ever get folks that come in and say, you know, hey, I just want to hunt this year, right? I just, I want to get an over-the-counter elk tag in Colorado, or I want to, I want to hunt deer in Montana. Do you, do you get those folks too, versus the folks that, man, I want to swing for the fence and, you know, draw sure. the 270 unit tag in Montana? Sure. So, you know, in our marketing, we market to a certain demographic, right? That being said, we do get those folks. Um, a lot of guys that I'll talk to, um, you know, specifically guys from the East, uh, that, you know, tell me, I want to do a DIY hunt. You know, where should I put in? I explain to them, okay, we need to go to units, the game management units that have great access, public land. You don't have horses, I would assume, coming out here from Pennsylvania or New York. And then I say to them, okay, so you're, you're, are you really truly ready to take on a DIY hunt, right? Because of all that's involved, right? I mean, the, the logistics, you know, the maps, the, the 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 food, the lodging, setting up all that. I mean, there's there's a lot of time. We have hunts at Worldwide Trophy Adventures, where, for example, you know, they'll provide that for you. They'll provide the they'll provide the the accommodations. Usually, wall tents. They'll provide the meals. They'll also provide a camp jack. One of our most popular hunts right now is in Unit 52 in New Mexico. It's a draw unit. It's not a great draw unit, but it's certainly far better than going over the counter in Colorado, mm-hmm. right? The drawing odds are really not that bad. I think on the archery, it's one in three or four to draw that tag. If you draw it and you have, you know, two guys, you know, on the party application, I think you're going to pay like $2,500. If you have three guys, four guys, I think it gets down to like $1,500 a guy, right? You can't beat that. You know, and, and, and they're providing your meals. They're providing your camp. There's yeah. also a camp jack. He can't guide you, but he can go over maps with you, kind mm-hmm. of point you in the right direction. Kind of a drop camp scenario drop type camp. thing. The biggest thing is he'll help you get that bull out of there. I mean, I've been on a couple of DIY hunts, and you know, it gets intimidating when you get far back in there and you kill a bull and you're like, and you have to pack it out three miles. I mean, yeah. It's a lot of work, you yeah, know, and so having someone to help you with all that, that's been a very popular hunt for us, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. But Good. yeah, DIY hunting, I'm, I mean, I get it. I love it. I mean, I love to do it myself. It just, you know, it, it, it there's, you know, there's a lot of work to it, as, as you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you have to have your act together and, 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 and you have to have the time is probably the biggest factor, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. most folks that come out of state can't go scout for you know two or three weeks before season or even in the summer so exactly right you know the the outfitting process becomes much more of a an option for those folks because they 
you're right. <clears throat> they just don't have the time sure. to come out and, and do that. So, well, good, Eric. Um, I really appreciate talking to you today. Um, just want to give you an opportunity, um, you know, just to kind of recap any closing comments for listeners to take away today. Um, you know, from Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Sure. You know, we're here to help. I mean, again, we have a uh, full service agency, right? So if you're a guy that is looking for a great vacation and you, and you, and you don't want to take a chance, you know, we have professionally vetted operations. You will not pay a dime more going through Worldwide Trophy Adventures as to what the outfitter's advertised rate is. That's the contractual agreement we have with the outfitter. I think that's a big misconception in the industry is that booking agents charge more. We would never, no one would ever call us if we charged more, right? Why the outfitter chooses us is because, you know, it's marketing for him, right? It's, it's, it's a marketing expense. Mm-hmm. So, again, our, uh, you know, it's, it's a free service to the client. We also have the tags division. You know, let's touch on the tags for a second again. I mean, everybody, there's some tag out there that everybody wants to get their hands on. Whether it's one tag or ten tags, apply for something. It's fun. It's neat to be engaged. It's neat to be involved in. It's, it's exciting when the draw comes out to see if your name gets pulled. On the tag side of that, again, it's all about quality, right? You can get very, very high quality for, very, very, for a very, very reasonable price, right? So everybody should be applying for at least something. Um, you know, uh, on the travel side, if you do book a hunt through us, we can help get, get, get you to where you need to go, right? Um, so it's just, I don't know, I think we have, you know, one of the best services out there. Uh, just because it is full service, we're staffed up properly. And, and, and we're here to help, for yep. sure. And yeah, I, I, would, I would easily say if you're looking for the all-inclusive experience from the time of application probably till the end, I mean, I, I don't know that anyone does quite what your guys' portfolio provides. Yeah, and with us and adding the landowner tag piece to it, I think we have all pieces of the puzzle covered now. Yeah. And, and there's something there for everybody. Okay. Eric, if someone was to want to get a hold of you, you know, social media, web, platform, what, what would be a good way for someone to, to get in touch with you? Sure. The phone number is easy to remember. It's 800-755-TAGS, and that'll, you know, connect you into any of our of our business units. Um, you know, just ask for to speak to a consultant. Also, you know, it's important to know that if you want to go to Africa, we have an international specialist. If you want to go hunting in North America, you know, we have that. But if you want to go fishing, we have a specialist for that. So we're, you know, we have somebody in place that is, you can't be an expert at all of it, right? Mm-hmm. So through our vetting, you know, we're very, very regimented and, and structured, and, and we should have somebody there that can help you out. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, thanks, Eric. Um, for those listening, come by booth 1007 at the Sheep Show. You can talk to a Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Um, you know, obviously, they provide a, a huge portfolio uh, of, you know, hunts and travel agency processes and applications. Just a lot of neat things that they can provide. So, Eric, I'd like to maybe catch up with you again um, and maybe reconnect uh, this summer or fall and see what tags maybe you've drawn and what your plans are and maybe look at your, your hunting schedule in 2017. So Please do. And, I, you yeah. know, I wish you well uh, in the draws. How, how are things looking for you? Pretty good. So, um, you know, I'm going into Montana. Uh, with 13 points for cool. for elk, um, 13 points for sheep across the board, everything in Montana. Oh, so this is a year for me that I'm I'm trying to figure out. I, I want to dump some points. I just got to figure out sure. what species I want. I'm, I've been holding out for the 690 unit tag in Montana because sure. I grew up just north of the Bear Paws, and oh, you know perfect. I know the I know the quality of animals that come out of there, the elk. So, yeah. and I I'm not sure I'll ever draw that tag, yeah. but. 
Um, you know, Utah, I've got uh, 10 points, so I'm thinking of dumping points there. Wyoming, I've got seven po- or five points for – I'll have six going into the draw, so I've got five right now. Excellent. So I'm looking at dumping some points in, in Wyoming for elk. So, um, you know, it's kind of like I've, when I haven't drawn – I'll just hunt over the counter where I can, Colorado or Montana. But now it's getting to the point sure. where I want to start, you know, drawing some tags and, and dumping some points and, you know, and actually really challenging myself to find a unit that takes two to three years to draw and doing a lot of research and, and going in there and, you know, finding the best animal getting that I can after. harvest. Yeah, sure. Well, it sounds Absolutely. like you're, you're, you're well set up and, uh, and the investment's going to start paying off. And, yeah, let's, let's hook up next, you know, in the summer, see what yep. we drew, and then we'll hook up again after the hunts and see how they went, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Eric, it was good talking to you, uh, and I just want to thank, um, you know, WTA for providing us some airtime today at the Sheep Show. Um, you know, obviously, um, WTA uh, can help a lot of our listeners. If you have any questions, uh, I'll put some uh, the uh, information in the show notes. So I'll have uh, Eric's information in there. I'll put the uh, 1-800 number in there as well so the listeners that are listening can, can get that information and, and, you know, possibly hook up with you guys and, and uh, get some more clients based on some of the airtime you guys had today. So, Lucas, I appreciate it. Thank you. Good deal. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, listeners, uh, 2017 is in full swing. You guys are excited to see what the new year brings. I just want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time for another adventure on the RNA Outdoors podcast. Thank you. First and foremost, I want to thank all of our listeners. The Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found on the podcast feed and at our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. Feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed. We are available on Podbean and iTunes. For iOS slash Apple users, go to podcasts on your Apple device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. When you subscribe to the podcast using the podcast app for iOS or using iTunes on your Mac or PC, you are subscribing to the podcast updates by that particular podcast producer. With iCloud, you can synchronize your podcast subscriptions across all of your devices. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean or use our website, again, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter, at RNA Outdoors, Instagram, hashtag Rod N Arrow Outdoors, and Facebook, RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Please join us next time for another edition of the Rod and Arrow Outdoors podcast.